Welcome to the Behind the Curtain Podcast, your real-world guide to real estate investment and property management. In today's episode, we'll be discussing how to achieve a good ROI in today's investment market, and we'll offer our projections for the rest of 2021. Later in the show, Glenn speaks with Amy, a Memphis-based investor, and they discuss her experiences of managing her own real estate investments. So in this segment, we're going to talk about 2021 and where we are now, nearing the end of the second quarter. How do you think things are going to go for the rest of the year, guys? And, you know, how do you see mortgage rates changing, demand for property? Personally, I think that uh, well, now we're seeing a cooling, not not major cooling, but a little bit of a dip. Now, you know, the first quarter and a half, we write 40 offers and get three accepted. Now we're writing 20 offers and getting eight accepted. So we're starting to see a little bit better advantage for our investors. I still believe that the best you know time to buy is going to be between October, November, December, and January. of the For investors. Beginning of 2021 for investors. Yeah, because your typical um, owner-occupant wants to buy – and close by the end just of July. Listen so to me, owner occupants. Just buy, move, and stop <laughs> so the rest of us can get back to a normal life. That's all I want. I want the owner occupants to get moved so we can get back to doing our normal real estate like we've been doing. Well, This has been such an odd year for us. Yeah, I've seen uh, in my own neighborhood in Germantown recently a an increase in the number of – or the, the amount of days on market. Um, oh, really? Oh, my gosh. Like in my neighborhood in particular, which we would consider a move-up neighborhood, as I've been told by uh, several friends of mine who are bankers. And for, for those who are listening, a move-up neighborhood would be like, you know, you've got your entry-level house, and then you have your sort of move-up house from there. And then above, you know, where, where we live would be like – a very nice house okay so like we i'd say that we have live in a very modest home in germantown which is one of the more affluent communities in the shelby county memphis area so having said all that move up houses which are the step above like entry level your basic house for your you and your two kids there are more on the market uh right now there are for sale signs that don't have those little sliders across the top that say contract pending or sold or under contract and they those houses have been out there for several weeks the reason being is because most everybody tried to get their property purchased get it closed and be moving in about this time so that they can get settled in have two or three weeks for the kids start back to school so the good news is for homeowners that are looking for a home there's a lot of inventory now not a lot but there's more inventory than there has been in six months yeah. uh, for investors that's even better because that means as the owner occupant market cools the investor market will cool i don't know why investors do this but most investors not good investors but some of these investors follow the leader too much in other words they follow them right off of a cliff and oh my god we're at the top of the market let's start buying so it's sort of like lemmings. Right, <laughs> exactly. So why wouldn't you wait until the market takes a little dip and get in October, November, December and buy a better deal? So I'm hoping the owner rock market slowing down will cool the investment market. And I'm hoping these these experts that just put out this new discussion about uh, how property values are going to continue to increase and they see in the next five years is going to be a substantial increase. And I tend to think they're wrong. What drives the market up is what? Demand. Okay, demand's eventually going to stop. 
I believe that the, the hedge fund groups are the ones that drove the demand. And now that that took off, then the homeowners panicked, they started buying, and they started overshooting prices, and it just snowballed. But now all that's coming to an end. So I think we're going to see some normalcy back to the market. I think the experts, so-called experts, who probably have never held a real job, are wrong. It's my opinion. Well, keep in mind that when they talk about the market in general, they're not really talking about real estate investors. That's a totally different game. I would never dissuade one of my investors from buying, but I've told several of them, wait until Q4. Wait until the winter. Once Thanksgiving hits, that's our time to start looking through the end of the year. Because then you're going to have more opportunity because less and less owner-occupants are going to be buying for property. And less investors. I mean, that's another thing I never yeah. get. They want to buy right now when the market's hot. And as soon as wintertime gets here, what do they do? They just go silent and cool off. Well, it's the holidays. I'm going to enjoy my family, and I'll pick this back up next April when everybody and their mother's trying to buy. A smart investor needs to be buying between Halloween and February 1st. That's when you need to be buying. Yep. So if you feel cold, go buy a house. Yes, if you exactly. That should be the new rule. If you're chilly, buy a house. Buy an investment property. If the temperature drops below 70, buy, buy an investment house. <laughs> so my question then is, have either one of you with, with houses that you've represented for the seller had to explain why there are longer days on market and what have you been telling them over the last week or two? Um, yeah, I've... I do have some. Now, keep in mind, there's when you're talking about real estate uh, properties, are you talking about tenant-occupied, vacant? It's two different games entirely. Well, maybe explain both of those for us, because I know, Glenn, you in particular, and well, both of you have been representing tenant-occupied and um, vacant. So so let, let's start with vacants, because that's the easy one, right? So I'm just going to assume, or easier, I should say, on vacants, have you had longer days on market? No. Okay. All right. So for the listener, these are vacant properties that are sale ready. And Glenn or Brett, you know, they they put it on the MLS. They put it on, you know, their various uh, uh, websites and stuff in order to be able to market that property. Those properties are still receiving an offer within or, or multiple offers within how many minutes? Same day. Right. I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> right. Now, and the difference is if it's an occupied property and typically at this point because of the drive up in market price. And listing price, all these markets are under all the properties are under rented. They're under market on rent. Sure. Therefore, a lot of investors fly through their list and like, oh well, that RI is only seven percent. That one's only six, but because they're not taking the the time to stop and say, well, what would it rent for? So maybe I take it and buy it at a six percent RI in the next eight months, work it up to that eight, nine, ten percent that I want. A lot of investors won't do that. They look at it on face value market value versus rent current rent and they either decide yes or no and that's the reason why some of these homes are sitting on the market longer because they're under market on the rent and at least doesn't expire till you know february of next year eventually what i want to do is i want to talk about our our investor jeff we will not mention his last name but you know who i'm talking about jeff brilliant investor uh we've spent the last year and a half with him or so maybe two years and jeff bought all of his properties below the desirable return on investment as far as the monthly rent and he patiently waited until he could increase the rent another investor that's done the same thing as ted Mm -hmm. right with Mm -hmm. whom you're familiar with ted brilliantly said you know what the real estate is worth it now i'm going to buy it now even though i'm only getting that eight percent or that seven and a half percent simple roi 
on the annual and I'm going to wait until a lease renewal period or a uh, tenant vacancy to move that rent up. He's smart. And, and this is what we would tell our investors right now. Buying now is smart so that you can change it later. But, sure. but, but because we don't have a crystal ball, we don't have the certainty of the market and know what's going to happen later. We, we don't know if those prices are going to continue to go up like they're saying next year. They're going to appreciate well, either 6%. they do or they don't. Uh, we had this conversation on the last podcast. Sure. You should be buying property based on market rent. Right. You shouldn't buy it based on current market value because we always we know it's going to go up. Over time, you're going to gain market value. So don't worry about the market value. Worry about the market rent because that's the money you're talking about. That's the money you want in your pocket. So in a, in a market as ridiculous as it is today – you should always be looking at a property that has a if if it's rented for seven hundred and you're gonna spend eighty five thousand for it, your ROI is gonna suck. But if market rents a thousand dollars a month, well guess what? You've got a foundation to build on. So you can still get into it now because guess what? Three years from now it's gonna be worth a hundred and ten thousand and you're gonna be renting right. for eleven hundred a month. So you're you're gonna gain either way. Sure. So get off of the Prop, the, the 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 CMA, the value of the property, and get off of the current rent and just focus on market rent. Because market rent, does, the only time market rent is going to dump is if we have a, a repeat of 2008. And I don't see that coming. Right. I mean, I obviously, don't. during COVID, we have shown that we have an infrastructure in place efficient or inefficient it may be to support your the 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 middle class mm-hmm. is basically what the the support uh, structures w- were out there doing during covid yeah. and those of course are ending and we'll have to talk about a lot of changes that are happening in our current marketplace and our current government as far as the subsidies you know for people that are suffering from covid and and all of that we will get to that in a future podcast segment here i did want to mention one thing and then i want to go back to occupied properties I I was stunned yesterday when an investor sent me his address in 38125. That's the zip code 38125 for the listener is Southeast Memphis. Okay. So this is a a, a huge zip code with newer construction, anywhere from 10 to 20 years old. We would consider that new construction. And it's typically an unincorporated Shelby County. Correct. This was which means county taxes only. County taxes only. Newer construction, which means, uh, you know, a more efficient house. Um, it's also in a neighborhood that's much, it's it's very desirable by a young families. So let's just put it that way. Um, it's kind of suburban. Like you said, it's unincorporated. It's out away from the city. Two bedroom, two bath with a garage, zero lot line, right? So there's that means there's no yard, maybe a tenth of an acre max. The market rent on this property was $1,649. Oh my gosh. I looked at a townhouse, a townhouse in 31253 I'm looking at for one of my investors now. I looked up the rent comps. It was a 11.95 a month. I was floored. That's attached. I yeah. Yeah. It's a townhouse. A townhouse, right. So I when I when I sent him the rent comps, I sent him the rent comps, but I also said I would discount this based on location simply by $150-$200 a month. Do your numbers on this. And if you can get eleven ninety five, God bless you. But don't don't bank on that. Right. And I would say this to the investor, and this is a really important point that we've never brought up on the show. Okay, investors, you're listening to Aaron. I'm the principal broker of the management company, also EPM Real Estate Enterprise Property Management. The point is. My focus has always been for nearly 20 years on making rental property profitable. Okay, so that's been my focus. Here's what I'm telling you. Every single investor that comes to us, 
in, during this economy with stars in their eyes thinking about all the money they can make. Brett is common sense. He's saying, hey, we're going to lower your expectations a little bit. I want to make sure that it cash flows at a lower level. I say sky's the limit. This is the best economy I've ever seen in my career. Go for it. If you want to get it out there, your very first go, your very first vacancy at eleven ninety five. Even though common sense would say, you know what, that rent's probably going to be maybe ten fifty. Right. Let's go for eleven ninety five. Let's see if well, we see, can get it. There's a difference in the sales versus the management sure. mentality, right? Right. Because as a as a sales agent representing an investor, my job's to number one help them find property, protect their interest, guide them as best I can, and keep them. So, and I've lost, listen, I've lost investor deals over my tactic, but I, I would assume take this approach than the other. A lot of agents will just go and say, oh, yeah, your house is worth $190,000. And they know damn well that as soon as they put it on the market, they're probably going to get 181, 182 at best. And then they're going right. to come back to you, figure out an excuse as to why I didn't go for 190 as they promised, mm-hmm. and get you to settle for less. I'm going to tell my investor up front, it's worth 181. That's what you can expect to get right. in its current condition. And I've had investors just say, "Okay, I'll get back to you." And I actually found out last weekend that one of them. <laughs> we can I tell this story real quick? Sure. This is a hilarious story. So, we got a boat down in at, at uh, Aqua Marina. <coughs> so Glenn and I were down there for the weekend, and another buddy of ours has a boat down to slip, and he's married to a real estate agent who's a broker. And so she came down, we met her, and we're all sitting around talking, and she mentioned this this atrocity of a house that one of this guy called her about and wants her to list, and she mentioned the address. I went to my phone, and I pulled up pictures of this house. I said, is this house? She goes, absolutely. So this is a prime example of an investor. I told him to his face. I went to the house, and I said, listen, if you want this much for it, this is what it's going to cost you to get it ready. If not, you can expect to sell it as is for this. He didn't like that answer, so he ditched me. Went to another agent who blew his blew smoke up his backside and try almost got him into a listing at one hundred thirty thousand dollars. Oh my gosh! Then ended up with this girl who he had no idea that she knew me that we were on the same dock together down at, at the marina and I found out that he just pretty much burned me so because he didn't like my answer. Although her and I agreed on one thing: at the end of the day, he's going to do exactly what you told him he's going to get for it, Brett. And that's all he's going to get. So, but you're I, not going to get a commission. I'm not going to get a commission. <laughs> That's but I got, the, I got to talk, to, the nature a, got of the to, talk to a cute girl. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, so. she was that's the beauty cute. of business. You, you were honest with him, and you saved right. yourself a headache. But uh, my point is you lose investors sometimes because you don't tell them what they want to hear. And there, there's two different types of agents out here. There are ones that are honest and straightforward and tell you like it is. And I'm like that. Glenn's like that. Uh, and then there are agents that will blow smoke as big as they can to get it and get you locked into it. And then, unfortunately, you walk away disappointed, which is why a lot of these investment guys don't get repeat customers. Because people get burnt or they get upset or get disappointed. So, you know, ask your real estate agent to give you the truth. And if you don't like the truth and you want to move somewhere else, move. But at least get the truth. So, you know, as, as we get back to talking about the housing market and the economy, housing market is going to continue to grow. I think the economy is going to start to suck a little bit here soon. And as, as inflation kicks in, interest rates are going to go up. And, it's, and the change of the uh, – that the capital gains tax is a possibility. All those are going to have a deep impact on the real estate market. It doesn't matter if you're a homeowner. I hear too many people say, well, that doesn't affect the homeowner market. That only affects the investment market. Well, that's not true. Because if you saw just what happened, homeowners went bananas buying homes. What happened? 
Investors market values went up. Followed, market values went up, and investors followed suit and went bananas buying homes. Yep. Hedge fund groups are buying 100,000 homes a day across this country, sight unseen, and paying retail and, high, and higher for them. So whatever – Whenever people say the two aren't related, they're deeply related because, unfortunately, they watch each other. And they, they, they tend to mirror and run off of what the other side's doing. So when the housing market took off on rock, so did the investment market. I, I wish investors were a little more reserved about that and didn't jump every time the wind blew, but they're not. Well, and what I tell my investors, because they'll all ask me the same question, how much do you think I should offer for it? And my answer is always the same. That's not up to me. It's up to you. You base what you want to make an offer at based upon your ROI objective. And that's what you offer. And you either get it or you don't. If you don't, that's okay. If you want to pay a little extra because you want that property, go ahead and do so. But make an offer commensurate with your objectives. Cash flow dictates price. Then there are people that disagree with me on that. If I was in a, if we we're in a business where you know the market's going to fluctuate twenty percent from today to the end of the year, and then maybe fifteen up and twenty down, and it fluctuates like that, yeah, my my theory would make sense. But if it rents for nine fifty a month, they're asking eighty five thousand for it, and you're wanting the one percent, you're using the one percent rule, then offer them ninety five thousand. It cash flows, right? And I guarantee you, in three years, it's going to be worth more than ninety five thousand. So. What difference does it make what the current market value is? Look at the cash flow. That's the key. If a cash flow works, in commercial, that's how they do it. Commercial property is valued based on its its cash flow, operating expenses, and then what the net cash flow is. That's how they appraise those buildings. Mm-hmm. You do the same for, for a residential property, for rental, or a, a duplex. If you do it the same way, you can do so much better in the market than you're doing today. Yep. So from an international lister perspective, um, for those that don't know about how capital gains works in the United States as of today, is that something that kicks in as a private seller when you're selling to go on to buy another property? A married couple has up to $250,000 each, so they can sell a half million dollar home with no capital gains. Beyond that, they'd have- As long as it's your primary residence. As long as it's your primary residence, right. Investors are different, Okay. If you buy a house for 100000 and five years old sell for $150,000, you are going to pay a capital gains tax on that $50,000, less whatever expenses and repairs and whatever you dumped into it and washed away. But, but that's why I say that the, the flip market is going to change if they raise uh, short-term capital gains taxes because that means that the, you have two pressures. One is what's the, what's the cost to do a rehab? Number two is, what's it going to cost me in capital gains tax? If they jack it way up, it's going to kill the flip market because there's not going to be any sense in buying, holding for less than a year, and then selling unless there's a huge gap between what you're buying it for and what you can sell it for. And that hasn't been happening because of inventory. Right. Okay. Now, long-term capital gains is different. And again, if it, if you're talking about your primary residence, there's no tax on the gain. Okay. If you're talking about a second home, a vacation home, or or, or a real estate investment property, then you're going to end up paying long-term. How does that impact gains. Uh, an LLC that owns properties? I wonder if that does a capital gains tax. Does that apply to LLC? These guys that have LLCs with 20, 30 homes in them, and they decide to liquidate. I wonder if that impacts an LLC 
I don't think there's capital gains for an LLC. I think you're just under your your corporate, corporate tax, tax structure yeah. as profit, profit and loss. Um, Be a good question for a. We need CPA. to find that out because that, that would make uh, that would make a, all the all the difference in the world for these folks that we're guiding, uh, and they're asking us about the you know should I set up an LLC? Well, that'd be a great reason to set up an LLC, especially if you're planning on getting in and out of these things in four or five years. Yep. Amy, welcome to the Behind the Curtain podcast. And here we talk about real estate investing in the Southwest Tennessee market. And Amy is an investor that's been working with me for a few years now. I've helped her find a few properties. She's one of the rare local investors that I have. So, Amy, why don't you tell us a little bit about why you chose to invest in real estate versus stocks and bonds and Wall Street? Glenn, first, I just want to thank you for having me on your podcast today. I'm really grateful for this opportunity. So you asked why I was interested in investing in real estate versus stocks and bonds. Um, Well, I'm really attracted to um, something that I can see and hold and go and look at. And numbers on a spreadsheet are not very interesting to me, and I don't understand them, at least how they go up and down in value, whereas um, I know that everybody needs a house, and I know what I would like to have in a house. So to be able to go and, and look at those sorts of things and meet and interact with actual real people. And, you know, you said I was local. I, I do like to go put eyes on my property, and I talk to all of my prospective tenants and throughout the, the rental process. So I really enjoy that active aspect of real estate investment. Well, you know, Amy, uh, part of my job is to find the right properties for you. And you and I have looked at many properties together that you didn't make a bid on or that we bid on that that you didn't win. Uh, And that's just a part of my job. For every 10 that we look at, we might find one that works for you. And those are the ones that count. So what kind of real estate have you invested in in Memphis? Well, so far, um, I have two single-family homes, and I have a duplex. And you you found the duplex for me. I, I didn't ask to look at that, but it's been my most profitable unit by far. So I'm definitely interested in, in acquiring more multifamily housing as well as, you know, single families as well. Um, I've never flipped anything, but I'd be interested in doing that because I um, I really enjoy puzzles and decorating and looking at tile and all that kind of stuff. So, But rather than flip, I think I'd redo and then hold. So yeah. repair and hold. And so how, uh, how well have they performed for you thus far? Extremely well. Um, I've never had any vacancy. So I started um, in early 2017. I've never had more than, you know, two or three days that it took me to, to clean out a property worth of vacancy. I've um, been extremely fortunate to have never missed any rent payments. Um, I mean, part of that is doing a good job screening tenants, but all of my properties in Memphis have been profitable and in demand. So, Did you have any issues as a result of COVID? Did that impact your tenants in any way? I did have tenants who uh, lost their jobs, but they were all able to get 
the, the $600 payment and, and nobody, while I gave, you know, the option to help out my tenants, nobody took me up on that offer and they, they all continued to pay their rent on time. Wow. That's outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. What are you looking forward to in the future in terms of real estate investing? How many more properties do you plan to pick up? What's your long-term objective in this? Well, um, you know, eventually I'd like to to quit my day job and live off the the somewhat passive income. I mean, I I am actively managing it, but, you know, to not have to go into the office every day, that's the, the passive part of it, I would say. So, I would love to have maybe 20 houses or 20 doors to kind of get to that point. And right now you have four doors, basically. Yes. Okay. One duplex, two single-family residences? Yes. Okay. Now, are you self-managing or using Enterprise for your property management? Well, since I am local um, and, I, and I do enjoy the, the interaction with the tenants and all that comes with it, um, I am self-managing. And how has that gone for you? you have any issues with it? You know, some days are better than others. You know, things don't break when it's convenient. <laughs> oh, never, of course. I've, I've been um, staying on top of a lot of preventative maintenance. And like I said, I, um, I really thoroughly screen tenants before I sign a lease. So I've not had any, like, personality or um, that, those sorts of issues with any tenants. So it's, it's really just been routine maintenance, you know, air conditioners break. So getting those fixed when that does happen. But it, it hasn't been bad. It's, it's been manageable. Of course, as, as things scale, you know, I might need to look into Aaron's services with EPM to help with the volume. But, but so far, it's been good for me. And so the real estate investments that you've made, did you finance them or did you pay cash? I did finance them. So my initial strategy was to live in the property and fix it up myself. So kind of get that um, owner interest rate. But, you know, as, as time's gone on, uh, my family has evolved and, you know, living in a rehab isn't practical. So the last house uh, we did together, Glenn, I financed as an investment property. But I have, since that time, <laughs> I've saved cash since some of these houses it's just easier to buy with cash than go through the hoops the bank makes you jump through, at least in the beginning. And that may become more difficult as we move into next year in terms of interest rates and rank regulations. Uh, cash is certainly king. If you have cash, it also gives you a leg up when you're competing for a property versus someone who is financing a purchase. Yeah, I've, I've definitely seen that things are going so fast. So if, if you can close quickly because you don't rely on financing, it, it can be a lot easier for you. Well, I thir- certainly think that as we move into Q4, the inventory will improve. Right now, we just don't have enough houses. We have way too many older occupants trying to buy, and that just puts pressure on investors. So I think that Q4 will be a good time for us to maybe find you another property because I think as we get into the fall and winter, it'll be a little easier for investors to pick up properties. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. It is. It's been really difficult this year. It had well. It's been a tough year in many ways, and it appears that things are improving from the standpoint of uh, COVID coming to an end. And it's always going to be with us, but I think the hard part's over. But certainly, the pressure next year is going to come from the administration as they find ways to increase taxes, uh, capital gains taxes. That's going to put pressure on both inflation. Because if you're if you're doing flips right now, it's a tough world, and that's because construction costs have gone up so much. Uh, so it's harder and harder to find a good flip. But uh, we'll see what the administration does next year with interest rates and tax strategies and the impact that it has on real estate investors. So what's the end run for you? You're going to hold on to all these properties for the next 20 years and then live off of the income? Is that your plan? Uh, that's, that's my plan right now. My, my partner, he, he talks about retirement all the time, but I haven't, I haven't um, planned an exit strategy from my day job or, or real estate investment yet. I'm sure one day that will that will come, but for now, I'm just in the mindset of of collecting more houses. So, well, let's find you some more then. Yeah, I hope I hope things uh, calm down with the competition and the scarcity of housing, and um, I can I can get, add a couple more to my portfolio this year. Well, real estate is just like anything else. It's it's like the weather. Just wait five minutes and it'll change. So I think that, you know, every time we turn a corner, there's uh, a, a different impact on real estate. The thing about investing in real estate is there's always somebody buying and always somebody selling. Well, Amy, we appreciate you being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me, Glenn. Um, I, I do want to say that you know I, I'll be living in Memphis for ten years this September. I, I never thought I would be saying that, but I'm I'm glad that I'm here, and I, I think that it's a great market to be in, and I'm glad that I can be kind of um, upfront and and you know seeing these communities that I'm investing in. So it's been good and. Glenn, I'm excited to work together the rest of this year and hopefully add a couple more houses. All right. Have a good day. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Behind the Curtain Podcast, your real-world guide to real estate investment and property management. Be sure to subscribe at BehindTheCurtainPodcast.com. And if you'd like to learn more about Enterprise Property Management's real estate services, please visit us on the web at epmrealestate.com. This has been a Sound Ideas Group production for Enterprise Property Management, Inc. We'll be right back.